0: Big stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Brinkinridge. Weekdays, twelve thirty to three,
1: seven seventy. CHQR. Well, by the way, just as we we're talking about Omar Cotter, uh, the judge has reserved his decision until next Friday. So Omar Cotter in court, asking for changes to his bail conditions, specifically. Uh, to have his passport, to travel to Saudi Arabia, and to be able to communicate with his sister Zainab. The judge will take some time to consider that. Well, the rest of the country is perhaps about to learn the hard way that when Alberta is sick, when Alberta is ailing, everybody feels it. Going into 2019, there are a number of bumps on the horizon for the Canadian economy, and certainly uh, the potential of a slowdown in Alberta... Is, is certainly one of the big ones. Petroleum products are our number one export, so if we've got problems in that field, then the country has problems. So certainly that's something to be worried about going into 2019, and obviously in Alberta that worry is much more acute. But up until now, the Canadian economy has remained fairly resilient. As the Liberals keep reminding us, uh, unemployment is at 40-year lows. Uh, Canada did lead the G7 in growth in 2017. 2018 is, has been a different story. And even though we've, we've got some successes in securing a new NAFTA deal, uh, securing a new Trans-Pacific Partnership, uh, the, the MacDonald-Laurier Institute says it has darkened its economic outlook for 2019. Now, joining us to talk about this quarterly economic report, very pleased to welcome the program, Philip Cross, Monk Senior Fellow at the McDonald laurier Institute, previously Chief Economic Analyst for Statistics Canada. Uh, Philip, great to have you with us here. Welcome to the program.
0: Uh, thanks for having me on, Rob.
1: So, I mean, in terms of right now, as we uh, are set to head into 2019, how, how strong is the Canadian economy?
0: Oh, it's definitely slowing. It's showing a a, a lot of cracks, uh, most obviously in, in Alberta, of course, as I'm sure your listeners are aware. Uh, but it's not just Alberta. I mean, there's, there's weakness across the country. I mean, here in Ontario, obviously, the closing of the last General Motors passenger car plant was uh, quite traumatic and got a lot of headlines. Mm-hmm. Uh, but more generally, you know, there doesn't seem to be one would have thought that after renegotiating NAFTA successfully that you would have thought that confidence and investment would pick up. And in fact, we're seeing across the board weakness now in the leading indicator that uh, we put out at the McDonald lauray Institute. Six of the ten components were down, two were flat, two were uh, eked out small gains. This is a very worrisome picture.
1: Are we getting mixed messages? I mean, the Bank of Canada, of course, just recently raised interest rates, has talked about more of that to come in the new year because of what they see as the strength of the Canadian economy. Are, are they looking at it differently, or do you think they're perhaps poised to, to have a reconsideration?
0: Oh, I think they've already reconsidered. I think politics has already backed off uh, from that in their latest monetary policy. Uh, policy report they said you know maybe we won't be raising interest rates after all and i think it's because the the latest data coming in uh, across the board uh, showed uh, exports down for a third straight month business investment posted a very surprising drop in the third quarter uh, retail sales have been weak gdp was down the latest month the one exception to all this of course was the employment numbers which came out uh, last friday and surprised everybody with strength led by of all things alberta and I think most people just look at that and go, well, monthly employment data are very noisy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if this is sustained for two or three months, we'll see, but uh, I'd be very suspicious of this. It's a survey that's quite renowned for being uh, noisy on, uh, on a monthly basis. I remember during my tenure at This Canada, in uh, October 2008, just as the global economy was really starting to unravel, we published the largest employment gain in the history of Canada. Um, everyone kind of looked at that, and, and it turns out it was due to unusual things like hiring of people for elections and so on. Uh, but it just went to show that you can't put a lot of emphasis on, on one month's employment data.
1: Yeah, you, you need to look at, at longer trends, right? Yep. Yeah.
0: And we saw, for example, that October 2008 increase was quickly reversed the month after. Uh, So I would definitely wait and see if uh, if this was sustained. The other thing I learned in all my years at this—is Canada is never look at emphasize any one number. Look at the broad sweep of numbers, and the broad sweep of numbers clearly is trending down in Canada. Now, you look at household confidence and spending, you look at business investment, you look at exports, and there's just one message coming from all these indicators, which is the economy is slowing. Now, it's not—I'm not saying it's turning into a recession yet. Uh, But it's saying that, you know, there's a lot to be concerned about out there. And we've got a lot of balls in the air right now, particularly around the globe. I mean, we've got a, you know, God knows what's going to go on and happen in Britain with their Brexit. Uh, There's turmoil in France and Italy. Um, You know, we've got to get a lot uh, there's a, a split Congress versus White House in the U.S. You know, we basically have to get all these things right. Uh, or there's going to be trouble. And I think the odds that we're going to get all these things right all at the same time with such raw, inexperienced leaders is quite low.
1: Well, yeah, as you say, I mean, we're, we're not immune from global factors. I guess there's also, even though we've, we've had some success on trade deals with the U.S., yep. uh, with the Trans-Pacific Partnership, uh, th- there is trade tension and the possibility of a trade war with the U.S. and China, for example
0: uh yes there's a this, thanks for reminding me of that that's probably the biggest uncertainty in the global economy at the moment, so there's a lot out there that that could go wrong, but there's also a made in Canada element to our own problems. It's not you know yeah. in two thousand and eight, I think you could look back and say Canada was you know a victim of uh circumstances in the global economy this time around it's it's a mixture of both i mean we've done things to harm ourselves. In particular, as I'm sure people in Alberta are aware, uh, the big discount in, in oil prices, the inability to build pipelines, uh, these don't just hurt the energy sector. They send out the broader message that uh, to the international investor community that uh, Canada may not be a good place to invest these days.
1: Right, and and that poses big problems. So let, let's talk about the, the energy sector and the impact that's going to have. Obviously, we're we're more tuned into it perhaps than than other Canadians are. But but this is something that's not just going to impact Alberta.
0: Oh, uh, very much so. I mean, Statistics Canada, for example, just published uh, within the last month a study of how many workers in a particular province come from outside of that province. And guess who imports the most guest workers from the rest of Canada? Uh, Alberta, if I remember correctly. The number is well over 100,000 people. So there's a lot of people that come from elsewhere uh, to work in Alberta. A lot of orders for uh, Alberta's machinery and, and pipelines and so on go to the rest of Canada, particularly Ontario's manufacturing base. So you know the problems of Alberta are not just face felt in Alberta; they, they reverberate across the country.
1: Now, certainly, I mean there, there are steps that have been taken, at least here in Alberta, to try to mitigate to the impact of this uh, freeze yeah. on, or cut in production, trying to add more rail capacity. But in terms of how that's going to impact the overall economy, there, there doesn't seem to be, unfortunately, an obvious and quick fix to all of this.
0: No, and you know, the uh, the sharp cutbacks in oil production, yes, they've firmed up prices, but the but the the cost is going to be output, GDP is going to fall because of this very sharp eight and a half percent contraction in in uh, oil output. That's gonna shave about point two, point three percent off over overall GDP growth in Canada. Uh, and when you're at two percent growth and clearly trending down you know we're talking about per capita gdp growth these days of about 0.6% and we're trending down from that you start knocking off 0.2 0.3 and pretty soon there isn't going to be much left so uh this is going to be felt uh, across the country
1: so we're not quite at recession level but we're no. basically just struggling to keep our heads above water it seems
0: there, I mean, the, this, the latest reading of our leading indicator turned negative 0.1%. A one-month 0.1% isn't a strong signal of recession, but if it continues to deteriorate, if that's sustained over several months, uh, at some point, you know, you're going to have to start thinking in terms of, you know, are we going to be able to avoid a recession? Uh, and that's quite a different tone from the "don't worry, be happy." Uh, message that's been coming out from a lot of leaders in Ottawa, including the Bank of Canada, as you noted, uh, in in recent months. So yeah. this could be quite a shock to consumer confidence. If they're being told by their leaders, everything's fine, everything's under control, and things rapidly spin out of control, that's just going to be another nail in confidence. People are going to go, well, gee, we're being led by people who don't know what they're talking about, and uh, that's going to, that creates other problems.
1: When you talk about investor confidence, and, and that's, that's a big concern at the moment, uh, the recent federal fiscal update attempted to, to address some of that, or at least Canada's competitiveness, yep. um, measures aimed at encouraging investment in Canada. Do, do you see any, any upside resulting from some of those measures?
0: I, don't, I haven't heard of any instance of a firm, particularly in Alberta, where a lot of firms in the oil patch are saying, we're transferring operations to the U.S., I haven't heard anybody say, oh, uh, never mind, we're not going to move to the U.S. after all. I mean, the the incentives, the advantages to move to the U.S. are still there. Mm-hmm. We're probably at less of a disadvantage. I mean, I certainly applaud all these measures, particularly the accelerated write-off of uh, of investment. I just wonder if it isn't too little too late. Uh, I think the best thing you can say about investment in this country recently is the announcement of these um, of this large LNG project on the west coast, uh, and I, you know, that was announced before these budget updates, and clearly was related to longer-term considerations. Uh, but that's a good example of, of the type of investment projects we need to get going in this country, uh, and I certainly haven't seen a revival of any projects on that scale. Um, just because of the fiscal update.
1: Let me ask you about the housing market. Your report touches on it. I mean, Calgary's uh, poised, perhaps, to see another drop in housing prices next year. There, there's been a real focus on trying to cool the housing markets in Toronto and Vancouver. So, between whatever yep. might or may not be coming in interest rate increases, we got new mortgage rules in place. What does it all mean for for housing?
0: Well, it seems housing was the weakest sector of the Canadian economy in the, over the first half of the year, and that seemed to reflect the tightened regulations on mortgage lending that were brought in by the federal government uh, that took effect January 1st. Uh, and we've seen this, you know, Vancouver took a number of measures to cool down its market back in uh, 2017, and the same thing seems to be working out, that in the short term, yes, these measures cool off demand. But it seems to be a once-and-for-all drop. It, you, you squeeze out a number of buyers. But very quickly, the underlying dynamic of, of the market's returns, and I think we're beginning to see that already, especially here in Ontario and Toronto. Uh, the markets, you know, after a, uh, a one-time drop, is bouncing back quite quickly. I think that's worrisome because it basically says the Bank of Canada is going to have to raise interest rates to cool off this market once-and-for-all. But the Bank of Canada isn't going to be able to raise interest rates if the economy is weak. So we're really, you know, damned if you do, damned if you don't. If uh, we need higher interest rates to cool off the housing market, because housing bubbles are very dangerous in themselves, as we saw in the United States in 2008. But if we go overboard trying to cool down the housing market, we may cool down the rest of the economy too much. Uh, So you can... You know, you can get yourself into some pretty nasty policy choices pretty quickly in the current situation.
1: Indeed. Well, some uh, some reason for concern heading into 2019. People can read the report for themselves. It's up at McDonaldLaurier.ca. Philip Cross, thank you so much for joining us here today. Appreciate it.
0: My pleasure. Thanks for having me.
1: Take care. Philip Cross, a Monk Senior Fellow with the McDonald-Laurier Institute. So some uh, concerning economic signs as we head into 2019, which, look... I mean, it's an election here provincially in Alberta, federally, and a slumping economy is going to be bad news for incumbents. Now, it's often the case the governments get too much blame and take too much credit for how the economy is doing. But the thing is, you can't have it both ways. So, if the Trudeau Liberals, as they've they've constantly done recently, try to claim credit for low unemployment, if they're going to try to take credit for the positives, and they got to take ownership of the negatives. You can't say the good stuff's because of us. The bad stuff, you know, no one's to blame for that. You can't have it both ways. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.